question we're going to ask in this session is, what does it mean that the end of all things is at hand? We bump into those kinds of phrases several times in the New Testament. We've seen it before in First Peter. So what does that mean? And what we're going to do is make a huge broad brush survey of the New Testament view of the structure of history so that this kind of statement can be seen in the fullest context biblically. So that's where we're going. It'll be a little different. I'm going to go fast. I hope that's okay because you can pause at any time and reflect and and ponder whether what I'm saying is correct or not. So, Father, I pray that as we do a a big overarching survey of how the end times are structured in the New Testament, you would give us guidance and help us to see what's really there and what difference it makes for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So 1 Peter 4, 7, in our study of 1 Peter, we've now come to the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. We'll come back to this in another session. I just want to understand this kind of talk. So the first thing we want to do is develop uh, an argument that there is a a two-age structure uh, in New Testament thinking. Matthew 12, 32 Jesus says, whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. So he seems to operate with the assumption that there's this age and there's the age to come. Luke 20, 34 to 35. Jesus said to them, the sons of this age... Marry and are given in marriage. But those who are counted worthy to attain to that age and to the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. So you see the difference. This age, the ordinary age we're living in now, there's marriage. And in that age, the age to come, uh, after the resurrection, marriage doesn't exist anymore. So the two-age structure. Ephesians one twenty one. God raised Christ far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one that is to come. So the point of those three texts is simply to argue that there is this kind of of structure in the New Testament. This age and the age to come. And right here we know that the resurrection was here and uh, everything changes in the age to come. The next thing we want to do is notice that the term kingdom of God is also coterminous with this age to come. You see that in Mark 10, 17 to 29. A man ran up and knelt before Jesus and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
Jesus looked around and said to his disciples after this man had gone away, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. So he asked about entering or inheriting eternal life, and Jesus seems to treat entering the kingdom of God as the same. Then Jesus said to the disciples, you will receive a hundredfold, you who have followed me now in this time and in the age to come, eternal life. So you have eternal life, kingdom of God, age to come. So I'm arguing that this term that we've seen, this two-age structure with this age and the age to come, also in the mind of, of Jesus and the other New Testament uh, people was that the kingdom of God was the same time as the age to come. And now what we see is that this kingdom of God is first future. That's obvious. I have earnestly desired, Jesus says, to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So it's clearly future. It's coming. And I'm not going to eat uh, of the fruit of the vine again until I eat it there in the future in the kingdom of God. But, and here's the unique thing about the New Testament, the presence of the kingdom. But if, but if it is by the Spirit of God, Jesus says, that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So the kingdom of God that was here in the future as the age to come has evidently now come into this age. See it again. Luke 17, 20, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Where the king is, that is Jesus, coming into this world, the kingdom has come. Here it is again in Hebrews 6. They tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come. So they, they have tasted the powers of the age to come. So what was seen for a future time, namely the age to come, this two-age structure, has now come. And People are uh, experiencing the kingdom of God, tasting the powers of the age to come with the coming of Jesus. This is Jesus' incarnation. Now, where do we turn next? The last days, this is where we started, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, so reminded. So, this time, in this inbreaking of the kingdom of God, and the age to come having already begun, but this age having not ended, this time here is called the end. The end of all things 
is at hand. This is where we're living in this period where the end, in a sense, has already come because Messiah has come, the kingdom has come. 1 Peter 1.20, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, Jesus, and was made manifest in the last times, in this period where we live between Jesus' first coming and his second coming, these are the, the last times. Or 1 John 2.18, children, it is the last hour. It is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. So this age and the age to come has changed with the coming of Jesus and the kingdom of God has come. Messiah has come, the powers of the age to come have come, and we are living in the, the last hour or the last days. Here's another example of it in Acts 2, 16 to 17. This is what was uttered, Peter says, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is poured out. This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. So when the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, Peter saw it as evidence that he's living in the last days. So let's go back to our structure here. The basic structure of the, of the New Testament understanding of history is that uh, creation and fall are here. I'm not, I'm not going to be more specific than that. And we're living in this age with all the ordinary death and sickness and marriage and business. And then there was expected the beginning of a new age with the coming of the Messiah, the final coming and the resurrection from the dead and the transformation of of history and and the kingdom of God was going to be established and now the mystery this is called the mystery or the secret of the kingdom and the secret is that the age to come or the kingdom of God has come in Jesus' first coming and that we live in the last days. The end has drawn near. The judge is at the door. This is called the mystery of the kingdom. And George Ladd uh, puts it in a phrase, fulfillment without consummation. And this is the already, and this is the not yet. And that un unlocks so many strange things in the New Testament. And the, the essence of Christianity that, that separates it from Judaism and from all other religions is that the decisive work of Jesus has already happened. We have been transferred out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, and this is where we live. And so many of the phrases about last times and the end being near is explained because this is where we live. Now, one last thing. Of course, it was a surprise to everybody that this happened and that it has lasted 2,000 years. I mean, that's a long end, <laughs> right? Which is no surprise to Peter because Peter 
answers the scoffers like this, 2 Peter 3. Scoffers will come in the last days. Those are his days. With scoffing, following their own sinful desires, they will say, where's the promise of his coming? So already in the first century, people were scoffing that so much time had gone by. Forever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing the way they were from the beginning. And Peter in verse 8 says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. So you could say this is two days. These two thousand years are two days. And in God's mind, it's not strange at all to talk about the end being near or living in the last time.